Another beautiful day in the works for today. We are looking at a high of about, uh, where did that go? There it is, 39. I've only been saying it in uh, newscasts all morning, so you think I would have it rememorized. Uh, did I just invent a new word? Yes, I think I did, rememorized. Uh, 23 right now outside the WSAU studios. And uh, Merle Kelch has just uh, sat down. He's just plugged in the headphones. I think I have given him enough time by... Uh, babbling to to get the iPad ready Good to job go as work. well. Yes, yes, indeed. Um, yeah. Uh, so Merle, save me, save me. I'm 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 a stammering, muttering, blubbering mess here. Well, this I'm morning. not sure that I'm going to be much better. So, uh, <laughs> you know, folks, this is uh, uh, one of those days. I, I got to say, we uh, had a great fish fry last night at a place uh, out by our house. It's our mm-hmm. our close friends and camping group. We all went over to one of the local pubs, and we went in there, and I just happened to have the sweet spot on the st- on, on the the island. And I was right in the middle of two, you know, great uh, Bose speakers, and I could hear it beautifully in stereo. And there's a gentleman who's about the same age as me who was playing, like, the the best stuff out of the 70s and 60s and all the mm-hmm. great tunes. And I was singing so long, and so hence the reason I have the old ZZ top, wow, 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 kind of voice going this morning. Cause <laughs> I went home, I'm hoarse, and uh, I'm just kind of giggling to myself. I said, this is going to be a great radio show. I'm going to sound like Wolfman Jack, for God's sake. So, <laughs> hey, you know, here it is. There, but, there uh, are there are uh, much worse people to sound like than uh, than Wolfman Jack. We'll <laughs> put it that point. way. Yeah. You get the dark star going. For those of you that uh, know the glory days of WCCO radio in uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, man, that was uh, that was the sweet spot right there. You talk about sweet spots. Dark star. There are. Yeah. Very few that sounded uh, as good as he did. A chest thump in Sky Point as well as uh, he left us much too soon. Well, I'll tell you what. If anybody ever wants me to do any voiceover, what I suggest <laughs> is put me in a room with some great music I can sit and sing along to for a couple of hours. And, uh, you know, so you're going to have, like, the, the best. Uh, I could maybe you know, stand in for Darth Vader at some point in time. If, uh, I, I'm hearing James it. Rizzo I'm hearing it. Go, now, yeah. that I, now that I'm, you know, paying attention in the headphones, I'm hearing it. Absolutely. I'm your father. Well, Absolutely. Right, that's my idea. Well, no, well it, it, okay, wait a minute. Now we've got some other stuff to investigate if uh, Merle is indeed my father. Uh, but we'll leave that at that. Uh, Merle, tell you what, uh, as you mentioned, though, uh, a great night, great music, great friends. It doesn't get much better than that. No, and, in fact, does. if I remember right, Dark Star's obituary actually said that he left behind thousands of listeners along with overtipped wait staff so i i imagine uh you know when you're out do you, do you get the uh you get the the tip over over the customary amount um i always do okay. uh I'm, I'm a firm believer that uh you know we always should remember what tips is, is to ensure prompt service mm-hmm. uh, we do it backwards in america i think uh, other places you tip ahead of time to make sure, sure your service gets good um, but at the same time, uh, you know, these folks are working hard to make sure our, our event is good, mm-hmm. um, our dinner, whichever. So I like to make sure they're happy. Absolutely. And when they get those tips, what do you recommend that they do with them? Uh, well, I recommend they invest it. Of course, yeah. right? You see where I was going with this? I know this? great people that uh, you should invest with. You know, Boom. And uh, <laughs> and what exactly are those people uh, investing in these days? Obviously, it was uh, some good news, some bad news, some mixed numbers for the week on the uh, on the markets. So I guess just another typical week for you, right? Pretty much, except we got this PPI and the CPIs that popped up this week and added a bunch more volatility. I was reading from an economist this morning, and he said right now we're just kind of in this big cauldron. And you know, this cauldron, you have all the stuff that's going into it. You have your PPI, you have your CPI going on. You have all your, your wage reports, your numbers, your retail sales. All that sort of stuff is happening. And he said, and, and from this, uh, nobody still knows where the market's going to be. But 
the, the general consensus is that, you know, we're not going to have a recession in the first half of the year. Well, we're damn near three months into it. I'm guessing it's a pretty good odds bet, you know, but um, so we're not really sure if it's going to happen the second half of the year. And if we do, it might be light. Uh, this past week on CNBC, the conversation was, you know, are we in a recession now, at least on this post-pandemic version of it, are we? Um, you know, so, you know, who knows what the answers are, but the math comes out that um, we're still slowing down as an economy. So that is happening. So all the consumer price index, which is um, all the, the the pointers, if you will, on how an economy is doing. Uh, the economy is down some 3%, you know, 3.5% year over year from what it was last year. Um, but again, not in any huge particular area that's dropping off or dropping down. So we'll see how that goes. This number coming out with the CPI, which is the consumer price index. That's the stuff that you and I are buying. Mm-hmm. Um, we take a look at the core in that. It wasn't down as much as, these, as, as people wanted, but it was down eh, a little. Of course, they say it's still high. Yeah, but it's still down. So we're still having that progression. But the PPI was up higher. And one of the big numbers it looks to be as we're digging into it a little bit deeper, and we'll get more information as the weekend comes along, um, huge retail uh, car sales from uh, going out to rental car places. And that really adds to the PPI. And that might have been a number that kind of jumped it up more than what people expected. Um, but all in all, we continue to drop on what's called M2 Money Supply. And folks, again, M2 Money Supply is everything in your pockets, wallets, savings accounts, CDs, and all the cash underneath the mattress, all the circulation of cash. And that's been dropping continually, once again, um, uh, continues on that path. And as that number comes down, so does inflation. And that continues to keep moving forward. So um, are we going to have inflation jump up again? Well, at this point in time, I don't think the answer is, I think the answer is going to be no. Um, but when does it come down to the point where the Fed says, okay, we've had enough, we're not going to increase interest rates anymore? We're not there yet. You know, uh, general consensus is uh, two 25-point um, hikes again coming up. Um, and uh, now it's starting to pop up that maybe we'll have a third one for a 25-point. But the 25 points are impalatable. We can get through that versus the big jumps of the three quarters at a time. Yeah, and that's, of course, what we were seeing uh, about a year or right, so right. ago at this time. Uh, a lot of people have said, again, it's going to be the cars uh, borrowing is going to get more expensive. And the home buying is going to get more expensive as well. Of course, mm-hmm. a 25-point hike, which means a quarter of 1% is going to do that. So if we have three more of those, uh, things uh, are just going to get uh, that right, much yeah. more expensive before the what's, end of the year. What's interesting about this is that we can see it as the the first couple of three-quarters of a point jumps went up in interest rate. You can see um, home purchases dropped off. We saw car purchases dropped off. Um, I, we have friends in the, the furniture business that dried up and all of a sudden it's coming back. It's as though people have now swallowed that, you know, saying, okay, we got this. We're still good. And we're starting to see some of those things pop back up. Uh, real estate, uh, new home starts jumped up incredibly in January. Now, part of it is probably because we have such a mild January comparatively, uh, that that sort of stuff happened and, and, uh, um, helped out quite a bit, but it seems like it's being swallowed and it's, and it's palatable. Still a lot of markets, though prices are coming down a little bit, there's still not, not enough houses on the market uh, to cover what's called scrappage, and that's houses that are falling apart and being redone. Um, and the, the, the baby boomers, I'm sorry, not the baby boomers, but the uh, Gen Xs and Gen Yers that are coming up and, and needing to buy houses because they're starting to have families and that type of thing. So we still need to build houses, um, but it seems like the prices are coming down a little bit as we're building them. Mm-hmm. Indeed. He's Merle Kelch. We're making financial sense here on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. As always, our uh, chit-chat is just a filler for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. The phone lines are open. So if you've got a question for Merle, go ahead and give and, us a call. And I'm live. He is here. Remember, I was supposed to have a, a best of recorded this week, folks. And uh, some things happen. Well, 
I gotta say what happened to the family is people got <laughs> sick. Oh no. So we have a we have a wedding coming up, stepdaughter, and, and uh, one day, uh, well, one week from today. So uh, there was supposed to be a big gathering of all the, the ladies for this weekend. And uh, one of them came up sick and said, I'm not going to do it because all the ladies needed to be in the wedding next week. And we thought, well, oh, maybe no. that'd be good if your person who's doing the uh, presentation, I'm sorry, the presentation, who's presiding over the wedding <laughs> um, would not be sick. We that thought that'd be kind of handy. So indeed, uh, that led it so I could uh, be here in the studio, which eh, that's what I like to do anyway. In- indeed. So again, yes, we are live. So go ahead and give us a call if you had uh, planned on holding off. Well, uh, plans have changed. So again, give us a call. We'll get to your phone calls next here on WSAU. All right, we're at 20 minutes after 8 o'clock on this Saturday morning here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU, online at WSAU.com as well. I am WSAU News Director Mike Leishner. He is Merle Kelch to my left. And on the phone right now, we've got uh, somebody who's got a question for Merle. So we're going to play Stump Merle Kelch right now. Uh, Caller, welcome to the show. Yeah. Um, I just want to mention this. As far as the... Our inflation and uh, the economy as it is, I blame it all on Biden because you got to remember something. We were doing real good under Trump. As soon as the gas and energy prices start going up, everything goes up. Food prices went up. You know how the story went. The day that Biden got in the office, boom. Next day, the prices started jumping at the gas pump. And energy, you know, this whole country runs on energy. And when you go and raise energy prices, Everything goes up, not all at once, but little by little. And now we're in over two years of Biden. And uh, so I blame him for all this. There's I really a, do. There, there's, 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 a, there's a bunch of truth of what you're saying, caller, in, in, in that a lot of this is happening during the Biden administration. And I'm not defending him by any stretch of the imagination, if anybody knows me. Um, but I want to make sure that I'm putting the, the, the truth to the numbers here. The, the M2 money supply, which is a... a is you know, Morton, or Milton Friedman would say is you can follow inflation, follow the M2 money supply. And you can see it, um, it was it was rising during the Trump administration, really at the start of the pandemic. As soon as that pandemic started, um, we could see the M2 money supply starting to go up. And so there's no doubt that was the case. So the M2 money supply was going up as, as a result, of course, the initial money, money that went out. And so that started the ball rolling. Um, and then as the Biden administration came in, um, there's just a ton of cash that floated out there, and that started it. But I think one of the biggest ones, and, and, and caller and I apologize, I didn't grab your name. Um, I think that uh, the, the uh, fuel prices, I think, added a bit to it, quite a bit. In fact, I think it was um, uh, um, Ham, the energy guy. God, I can't think of his first name. but Patrick uh, Tahan. What's that? Patrick Tahan with uh, Gas Buddy. Uh, no, it, okay, his last name else. is Ham. Uh, okay. He's an energy guy. Oh, Not geez. John Ham. Maybe. I can't even think of the first name <laughs> at the moment. I'm, I'm sorry. But... Well, John Ham would be the guy from Mad Men. So. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, he had said, if you want to stop inflation, he said, oh, my suggestion would be is that we drill and keep the fuel prices down. Um, that ought to cause uh, inflation to work and still have the economy grow without having interest rates go up so much. And obviously, we didn't do that. But I think that would have worked. I do. Mm-hmm. You, you look at it, and, um, uh, and for you know, everybody out there, and this is just my observation here at least, what I find interesting is that inflation kept going up. We kept seeing the fuel prices going up. And as fuel prices stabilized, we actually saw some inflation starting to come back again. But I think at large, um, we could have the price of fuel come down. It would have an effect throughout the economy because if we're paying less for fuel, now there's money for me to buy widgets. 
um, and now there's less transportation costs for the manufacturer of those widgets. And, and so now uh, we have less food costs in transferring our trucks, so our food costs less, and that puts more money in for us to buy more widgets, and it makes sense to do that. And I think the, the bigger mistake, in addition to the free cash that went out with the current administration, I think the bigger mistake um, is keeping fuel prices high and not drilling and expanding our, our internal sources at this time. Whether you want to have a green energy or not, and I'm not going to belittle or argue that fact at this point, um, but I think that's a major mistake, and I think it's going to continue to be a mistake as long as we're not drilling and pumping and trying to keep that price down, uh, not only in the U.S., but, boy, being able to sell it to our partners, which are having an issue in, in Europe because of uh, Russia and Ukraine, um, I think it's a mistake, and I think inflation persists as a result of that. Yes. That's my personal opinion. Yeah, indeed, and this is all opinion. And, of course, uh, the, the crux of this show here is to uh, take a look at what's going on in the economy and how it impacts uh, your 401k, your retirement account, and things like that. We're not here to put blame. Point, right. We're not here to put blame on uh, anybody or uh, any one thing. For well, I'm really good at it, if need be. Yeah, y- yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, there are programs on this show uh, throughout the week that are specialized in doing that. But that's not exactly what we're here for here on making financial sense on AM you know, 550. I have to make sure that I cite before. Yes, we're talking about the uh, 25 percent. I'm sorry, 25 percent, 25 basis point. A quarter point two five percent. Yes, there we go. And so this comes out of an article that um, was done. I have to make sure that I cite this, folks, and get this stuff right, by Christina Dallas and Joseph Andolfi. Good luck. U.S. stocks are mixed. Uh, Dow books the longest day of weekly, longest weekly losing streaks in September as traders bet on more Fed hikes. And so in there, um, they're citing an interview that was with the Barclays chief economist of Christopher Smart, talking about their opinion on what's going to happen with interest rates coming up. And so on that then... I'm going to pop up something because I've had this question, and an article popped up this uh, with me this morning. Um, and I actually saved the article because I was looking at this going, Jesus, this is actually happening. And my next term is going to be again. And people say, again? Well, I've been doing this over 30 years, and I see this happen time and time again. And it always kind of comes back to it seems that people want to get rich quick. And in 30 years of doing this, I've never seen anybody get rich quick. But I've seen people make a lot of money. And when they've invested for a long period of time, and mm-hmm. the, you know, their classic example of this is Warren Buffett. You know, oh, yeah. Warren Buffett has, you know, even at uh, you know ninety some years old, he says, "I don't buy a stock for tomorrow." He said, "I buy it for ten years." And I'm thinking at you know his age, he's probably not even buying green bananas anymore. You know, but <laughs> but but you have to look at it over the longer term period of time. And so all of a sudden, we're starting to see um, options popping up, and we've seen this happen again, in particularly a certain type of option, um, and the. They, they, they get used for a long time, and I'll talk about that in a second, folks. But now we're starting to see, like, the um, uh, the Riddits and the Robin Hoods and the younger investors starting to go in there because they think they can get rich quick, and it's going to be really difficult. Um, and if I had to take a guess, it's some of the money that's leaving the crypto marketplace and going into there. That would be my guess. I don't know. I have no right. um, information. And, again, Joseph Aldonolfi get some credit for this one. He's really doing a lot of writing. We cited him a lot last week, Indeed, too. yeah. So in here, the, the article is a potential stock market catastrophe in the making. The popularity of these risky options bets has Wall Street on edge. Now, in here, folks, the, the marketplace is really interesting. If you didn't know, here it is. And we actually have the ability to buy and sell individual stocks and securities without actually owning them. It can be really risky, and you can have an enormous amount of gain, or you can have an enormous amount of loss, your choice on how you want to do that. 
But the options marketplace has been done. And if you're a farmer out there, you're familiar with the options and buying what you're, you know, what your future cost is going to be. And you have to deliver that corn later on. Um, you know, so, so this stuff has been out here for a long time, but typically options are used to hedge something. So uh, let's say you have an enormously large position in the S&P 500, and all of a sudden it looks like the news is going to stink tomorrow, and you have the ability to hedge that in case something screws up, um, that you're not going to take the brunt of the whole loss. And so that's, that's the reason that they've been around for a long time, hedging a bet essentially, um, not necessarily making money on purpose on the option alone. Because there's always seems to be something you have to deliver, um, or you're going to sell uh, when you have that. So, so in here then, there's things they called uh, zero DTEs, which simply means um, zero days to execution. So, an option when you buy it, folks, you're buying it with the expectation of at some point in time in the future that option is going to expire. So, you're either going to have to sell something from your portfolio, or you're going to have to buy something from somebody else's portfolio at a predetermined price. So let's say we have XYZ company, it's at $100 per share, and I think it's going to go up to $150 per share, um, but I'll be happy to uh, um, sell it at 150 because I bought it at 80 Great, so I'll buy that option. If it goes up to 150 I'll let somebody buy it for me. And if they don't buy it, I get to keep the money for that, for that option. So kind of handy, you know. But on the other side is that if the stock doesn't go up, um, but uh, it went down to 80 and I bought another side of the option called a uh, put, well, that means I have to sell it if it goes down and if I may not want to sell it at a loss. I mean, so there's this both sides of that coin. So it can be very difficult to understand for what's called puts and calls, and I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole because <laughs> I'm having to draw charts myself and remember stuff I don't want to remember anymore. But the difficulty is is that people are going through it and, and making bets quickly and saying, well, I'm going to bet the stock market, the S&P 500, is going to be up or it's going to be down, and they're putting money into this and making bets. And what it does is when that money goes in for that bet, it's creating volatility in the marketplace. I was actually having a conversation with my uh, uh, assistant, Kim, today. I said, watch out the market. We're seeing it you know, by midday. We're down two or 300. It's been happening all week. Also, by the end of the day, we're positive. I said, there's cash flowing into the marketplace. I'm not sure where it's coming from. I said, but there's cash flowing in from somewhere going into the marketplace and driving it up by the end of the day. So somebody's looking around, seeing that the market's down. There's cash obviously going in and buying the stuff and going back up again. And I don't know if this is it on the options tradings or, or not, um, but it'll be interesting to see, but that volatility is going up on people making those types of bets. I've gotten several calls over the course of the last month. Hey, what do you think about options, you know, and that kind of stuff. And, boy, folks, my, my thing with options is if you want to get into options, um, play with it on paper with zero money for at least a year. And this comes from my professor, um, uh, uh, in college, before he played options, he played with it on paper for over a year and decided yeah. he didn't want to play with options. Mm -hmm. um, and he is a professor of this stock. Folks, I have a securities license to trade options. I can do it by myself with no fees because I'm a licensed rep. Mm -hmm. And guess what? I won't do options because they have the volatility. And if you do them wrong, you can also have unlimited loss. Mm -hmm. And that's the part that's scary. Um, we have some clients that had worked with uh, somebody here in town, obviously not going to name names, and they convinced them to do some options, and they lost $78,000 in three months because the options were not covered. Um, and the people had a whole bunch of loss that they had to write out checks for. Obviously, they don't work with that advisor anymore. Right. Um, and so some people got sued and that kind of stuff, and there was an advisor who was doing stuff they didn't know what they were doing. you know. And uh, so 
watch it with options. If you're doing the zero uh, TEs or DDTs, DTEs, um, watch it. Make sure you can mm -hmm. afford the amount of money that you're playing with. Just so, so what I'm hearing here uh, as we get to the get to the news break here, uh, first off, don't put down any more than you're willing to lose. So, kind of the gambling principle. It, 100%. Yeah. Second off, uh, don't try to time the market because the house will always win. Um, my young Padawan learner, you're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> that is what we're here for. He is Merle Kelch. We are making financial sense on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. But go look at your news headlines next. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I would like to think that uh, that reporting is indeed what we excel in here at uh, WSAU. Again, I'm Mike Leishner. He's Merle Kelch. Uh, Merle, you were, you know, I just you just kind of told me uh, this week's been a real, real quiet week. There really wasn't anything unexpected uh that happened to, to shake the markets up no, but no. but we still have things to talk about well, there's of always course. something to yeah inside of this program but you know folks we were talking in the break and i said you know this week has been really really boring as far as something to read because um in the marketplace it's all been the same stuff i've actually I did, you know delve into uh, other things and to look at and read and i'm a big reader especially in the mornings but nonetheless um usually you know if we have some news information coming out uh, the news information is is relatively boring if it's what people expect and it comes out as expected. And that's largely what's been the case. So now there's no drama to play out. Mm -hmm. So we're going to have to wait a whole nother week for a whole nother set of drama or something to pop out of here. You know, nobody talks about and says, you know, geez, you know, some companies made money this week. Well, that's boring because they made money. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Um, I always come back to the joke and the humor, folks, where you always hear the news media at the end of the day say, well, the Dow was up 40 points today. But on the other hand, it's like, the Dow was down 40 points. Well, it's still 40 <laughs> points, you know. And so it's kind of interesting how that happens. But we get this when it pops up quite a bit um, when you're in an inflationary time and interest rates are jumping around, the stock market's jumping up and down. And, and I'm a firm believer doing this, and I do this in my world too, is I try to buy stocks that pay a dividend of some sort. Um, albeit one of them I have, it's a really, 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 really small dividend, but nonetheless they still pay dividends. And the reason for that is, for a company to pay a dividend, they have to make money. Um, you typically don't have companies that make zero paying dividends. It usually doesn't happen, or if it does, it's for a short period of time or so. But in here, I'll, I'll have the question that will pop up, and there's an article that pops up now by Philip Van Dorn uh, that says 10 dividend stocks with yields as high as 6.5% from a value manager with a strong track record. And so I'll see these, and I have one client, and if you're listening, yes, I'm picking on you, um, and he'll give me a call and bust my chops on Monday, I guarantee it, but let's have some fun. He'll come and say, Merle, look at these stocks. Some of these are paying 11%, 12% dividend. I'm like, hold on, hold on. Why are they paying that? You know, But, but no, 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 no. There's no but. Why are they paying that? Does that mean that their stock came down so much compared to the dividend that there's a problem that the stock price came down? Or sometimes companies pay a high dividend to attract investors because they need capital or money. So you have to look at that stuff, and so I always want to put that out there and say, you know, if you look at a stock and it's got a high dividend to it, um, you have to look at it and say, well, what are the future prospects and what's this company doing? And so inside of this article, um, they're talking about uh, Verizon is the, is the big number or the big place they have out front. Now, folks, I'm not telling you to go buy Verizon. This isn't an advertisement for Verizon, but this is just an example. Um, so in here... Uh, because of where the stock price is with, with Verizon, which it really hasn't done a ton as of late, um, uh, its stock price, uh, its dividend, I'm sorry, its dividend, just, blah, 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 there's a word I'm saying for this, its dividend yield, its percentage that it's paying out as a comparison of the price of stock is about 6.55%. And in here they're saying, well, geez, 
you can own Verizon and also get 6.55% uh, dividend rates. That's pretty good. It's better than you getting at the bank. All those things are true. But the next question comes around and says, is Verizon then the company that's going to be the best or going to be able to carry it forward and continue on this path? Are they going to be going up? Um, how are they doing competitive? So all those then things have to start popping into mind. And without having an opinion on Verizon one way or another, um, you know, we have to look at that and say, is it worth that 6.55% dividend that they're paying out? And so all that homework has to go into it. And so in here, we look at, you know, another one, you know, Kohl's, which, boy, I don't know how they make any money with all those discount coupons they send my <laughs> no wife. No kidding. You know? yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, she uses them. So and, and, you know. and the rumors have been out there for years. What's going to happen with Kohl's? You got it. Is it, it going to get sold? Yeah. Should it be sold? Should it be merged with somebody else? Are yes. Doing the right so, thing? So all you, that you stuff talk is about happening. volatility, there it yeah. is. And so then the question comes in. Okay, so they're paying a 6.16% as of this article. Um, a percent dividend, but is it the company to buy? And again, I'm not giving you my thought, my opinion. You just popped up some on your own here. But again, we have to look at the underlying and saying, is that company worth us having it? And why are they paying such a high dividend? Is it because the stock price came down? Is it because there's something going on inside of the company? And so we have to look at that stuff all the time. You know, so so my word of warning in there is if you're buying stocks just to pay a good dividend, the best thing to do is to find a good quality stock secondarily and say, oh, how's this dividend? Better way to look at things. So now, again, what I'm hearing here, because again, uh, peel back the curtain, I see my role here as I'm going to land a few airplanes here. First mm -hmm. off, you mentioned a company like Verizon. On the surface, that seems like an absolute no-brainer, something to invest in. Why? Everybody's got a cell phone in their pocket. Everybody has to pay for that cell phone. Everybody wants the service. They've got, seems like it would be a home run. But what you're saying is, We've got a lot of other things to look at than just, oh, this is a popular yeah. company yeah. that on the surface should make you some money. You're hitting it. So the thing is, the information on the internet, we can go in and say, okay, how are their financials? Are they making money? Do they have any uh, uh, problems? Have they taken on any large debt? Um, what are their ratios? The ratios are simply you know, debt to equity ratios and a bunch of other ratios you look at. And you can find this stuff online and look at it and you can compare it to the competitors in the rest of the industry. You know, the big example of some of this sort of stuff, Mike, with people listening is we go back. Um, Mike, I'm sure you remember the name, but everybody that's my age knows who Kodak was and what Kodak Oh, of is. course. And so yeah. you look at it, here's Kodak, you know, one of the biggest in the world in making film. And everybody used Kodak film. Mm -hmm. Guess how many people have a film camera right now? Like You nobody. would hear the crickets chirping. Yeah. I can't even think of one person that still uses film anymore. You would hear the crickets chirping, yeah. but even there a little too uncomfortable yeah, to make noise right. when you and, say and so something you look like at that, that so the industry can on a snap the industry can change and so for verizon my question for that if i were looking at the stock and saying okay they're doing what they're doing right now and they do a pretty good job at it but what's going to come up into the future um you know is that going to work um when i go to my place up north and probably a bunch of people listening right now um you're not listening via um uh, a cell phone you're listening probably in voice over internet so the cell phone isn't even making a phone call anymore it's just being used as a device to go through the internet inside of your home your computer might be doing it something of that nature so voice over internet when i go to my place up north i'm not using my phone which would be using a verizon tower up there in tomahawk i do voice over internet because the towers don't work where my land is and so so with that is that changing also than what's happening with verizon and how are they adapting to that so those are my my, my questions and again folks I'm not rendering an opinion on Verizon to buy it or not. I don't have any issues with the company. 
I'm just trying to help you delve into why do some of these companies pay such a high dividend and the things we have to try to look at if we're going to buy that stock to try to receive that dividend. Um, I hope that's making mm -hmm. sense of coming out the way um, Absolutely. I wanted to. Absolutely. So we apologize to Cecily Strong and Adam Scott from the Verizon ads. We're not picking <laughs> on you or the company that yeah, happens to have that ad contract. You're just the example this article is using. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. That is just the example. So again, something on the surface might look like a great deal, but we've really got to get in and, uh, and check it out before we go all in. It's, because again, right. this is your future that we're messing with the money that uh, somebody like Merle is handling is not money for now. It is money for in some cases, 20 or 30 years from now. And we want to make sure that's protected and growing yeah. at a safe rate. You know, it's the, it's the old uh, uh, classic kick the tire thing. Um, I have a friend of mine that bought a car and he bought the car. He said, God, the car looks great inside. looks great outside that whole bit. Um, and then they look at it and, uh, he's a whole bunch of parts repaired underneath because of the Wisconsin rust stuff rusting up underneath. And he's like, Oh man, I didn't look underneath. Uh, there you go. <laughs> you know? So, uh, so the car looks great on the outside, but the hole underneath uh, rusting out on, underneath it. So, um, you know, this is the, the underneath part we're looking at here. Uh, not the shiny, you know, beautiful part on the outside and the inside. It's the actual mechanical parts that go in. And that's the part we always have to look at more from an, uh, from an investment standpoint. He is Merle Kelch. As always, we are making financial sense on AM 550 FM 99.9 WSAU. And our chit-chat is just filler for your phone calls at 715-845-2155. We'll have time for a couple more. So if you've got a question for Merle, go ahead and give us a call. We'll get to you next. But first, it's Chris Conley with this day. It is 8.51 on this Saturday morning, and we are sitting at about 34 outside the, or excuse me, 24 outside the WSAU studios on our way to a daytime high near 39. Not too bad at all. Merle, you, uh, I had a, a sticky note there when uh, when you walked in, and uh, there is a six-figure uh, number on there. If you'll, if you'll pardon me for a moment, I need to brag about my coworkers. Well, you know, First of all, we we should say this when I came in. I said, "Was that my drink tab?" Yeah, no, yeah. it wasn't. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. So the number one hundred ninety six thousand nine hundred dollars. Do tell. Yes, that is how much we raised yesterday for the WDEZ Country Cares for Kids Radiothon. Each and every dime of that is going to St. Jude in Memphis. Great cause to support. So if you are somebody who donated yesterday, I want to take uh, some time to say thank you because. For a, a, an area like this to raise nearly $200,000 for an event like that, that is a lot of people coming together and saying, you know what, I am going to forego a cup of coffee for a couple of days uh, to help out some kids who, uh, whose families are never going to receive a bill for critical medical care. Look no further than the story of Claire Hornby here in Wausau, the entire Wausau community absolutely still behind that family altogether and uh, showing it in a big way. So, again, congratulations. Uh, to everybody at WDEZ just down the hall from us, and thank you uh, to Central Wisconsin as well. Now, uh, Merle, thank you, you guys on behalf of the community for doing so. I mean, absolutely, really absolutely, it is our pleasure. Now, Merle, you see a number like that, and uh, I'm sure you think there's a there's a lot of of uh, things I can do uh, with that money, right? Well, yeah, uh, it truly <laughs> is, and sometimes it revolves around land and and uh, things for hunting and fishing but you know yeah, so <laughs> right right but you know next week is our, our friend alan coming in so yep. remember alan's an estate planning attorney here in wassa in my opinion one of the best ones around um and on that it pops into an article i'm not going to talk about the article but these are the types of questions be sure to have ready for alan for next week so in here's an article it says and i quote i feel heartbroken my father refinanced my late mother's house 
even though she wanted to be divided among the family members, what recourse do I have? And we get a lot of questions that happen about that. So we'll get people that will call us and we'll refer them and say, call Alan's office for those types of things. But those are the types of questions you want to have for Alan next week because he'll be able to help answer that. Though there's never one answer in a scenario like this, uh, though mom may have wanted it to happen, dad uh, owned the house when mom passed away, and I think dad gets the ability to do whatever he wants to do afterwards. Uh, but in this instance, so think about that from an estate planning question. What I like to say is when Alan comes in, it does not cost hundreds of dollars an hour. You get an hour to answer questions, as many as you might have, and I love to stump Alan because I've never known anybody who's able, ever been able to do that. <laughs> and by the way, never played Trivia Pursuit with Alan. Okay. So so in that, um, in here, I wanted to pop up. Uh, where did it go to? Um, oh, I'm looking for my article that was just here, and I just lost it. Well, so much for that. I just lost the article I was going to pull up and take a look at. But nonetheless, look at Alan for next mm-hmm. week. And I still can't find my article. <laughs> and he still can't, yeah. I so, still can't find the article. All right. So it must have moved already. So in that case, well, I, I guess we'll, uh, <laughs> we will ask uh, first off for phone calls, 715-845-2155. If you have a question uh, for Merle, be, uh, feel free to give us a call right now because obviously we have time. Because he lost his article, and in uh, well, the article's back, so we're good now. That yeah, case, so yes, uh, yeah. So go ahead and give us a call. We still got about uh, eight minutes or so here, actually six minutes, and uh, yeah. So we still have time for some phone calls. But uh, Merle, what was on your mind? William Watts has an article that's out there that says, "Will recession slam the stock market?" Here are three landing scenarios as the Fed keeps up with the inflation flight. What's interesting is they have a captain's hat on Chairman Powell, looking like he's driving the love boat. So that's kind of. <laughs> That in itself is kind of humorous to me. Right. So we take a look at it with all the stuff that the Fed is doing. What do we do uh, with the stock market? What are they going to do? Well, so they have an interesting thing inside of the article. We're talking about, well, what if we have a hard landing? What do we do? So the arguments on that is a run of hotter than expected U.S. economy over the course of the last couple of weeks has blunted fears of a 2023 recession. So, um, you know, you look at it inside of the article. They're just kind of giving scenarios in each one of the cases. Um, uh, you know, 10 indicators and so forth. They have an article in here for a soft landing. What do we do during a soft landing? How do mm-hmm. we adjust that? Um, what to look at? And then if we have a no landing, which means we don't have a recession at all, what do we do with that? Well, uh, the answer is, is that, you know, we continue to keep growing for the market. So it all depends upon which direction we go. But a nice, nice little article in here that um, we'll touch upon, and we didn't have a chance to get into a real deep today, but – um, they're starting to pop out, folks. And so mm-hmm. what do we do? Where do we position ourselves based upon what's happening um, with the, the Fed and where they're going? 715-845-2155 is the number to call. Good morning. You're making financial sense with Merle Kelch. Good morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Uh, Mark. Morning, Mark. I'm going to talk slow so we can just use up the last of the time, okay? <laughs> okay, okay, sounds good. <laughs> See, I have a question uh, in regard to bonds. Uh, I was kind of I'm not real familiar with them, but a little mm-hmm. bit. But they're they're at a good uh, interest rate now. You can pick mm-hmm. up, uh, say, bonds that are ten years out for five percent. Um, I was thinking of buying some of those. Are are there any drawbacks in buying bonds that are, say, at, like right now they're at, say, 1.5% or something like that, and that gives, because of the interest rates now, they're paying a higher rate. If I buy those, what's my risk of not seeing 5% for the 10 years? Well, there's there, there's a couple of things you have to be uh, look at with bonds. Now, I love doing bonds. Bonds are a lot of fun to me. I'm a weirdo, Mark, because I like doing bonds, and so... 
Um, I, like you, was looking at a bunch of corporate bonds, and I actually did not buy them, and I'll tell you why in just a second. But So so in here, we're looking for bonds this past week, and, and so bonds, um, we're buying them today, and for most bonds, there's exceptions to us inside of the treasuries, but they pay an interest every six months. So if you have a $10,000 bond at a 6% coupon, you're going to get $300 every six months, okay? Mm-hmm. And so then, uh, Mark, you get that until a maturity date. So if that's in 10 years from now, you get your $10,000 back. So the risk in here is if the company fails, okay? Okay. Or the municipality or whomever, if they fail. So if you're buying, um, well, we use Kodak, for example. If you're buying Kodak's bonds and Kodak goes out of business, well, you may not get that $10,000 back, okay? Mm-hmm. So yeah. now the municipal part of the marketplace, instead of municipal bonds, you can buy some of the bonds that actually have an insurance as part of the policy that will insure the principal and the interest along with it inside of a municipal arena, which, of course, is from municipalities. Um, municipal bonds are usually used outside of IRAs, that type of thing, uh, because typically there's some portion of that municipal bond's interest um, that is tax-free. So with it, um, when I was looking at the bonds this past week, and I'm looking at different things as far as I don't want them to be called. I don't like to horse around with that stuff. I look at different time frames and that sort of thing. But I, too, was finding this stuff in that, you know, the, the mid and upper fours, couple of them to the fives. Um, and I try to look at stuff that I can buy that's about a, a, a hundred. So think about it as in a form of a percentage for sake of ease. If you buy a bond that's at a hundred, you're buying your $10,000 bond for $10,000. If you're buying it for 110, your $10,000 bond is $1,100. So I like to buy it at a hundred because when it matures, I'm going to get a hundred or the ten thousand dollars back, and so we have to look at that part of it and say that's going to be my yield to maturity. Um, uh, there's a certain percentage rate you're going to get from buying it today until maturity, based upon what price you're going to buy it at today. And so those are all little factors we have to look at. Now another thing inside of bonds, and Mark, I do like bonds, um, is you have to take a look at. Um, uh, the, the amount of bonds that you're buying. I always recommend to people, if you're going to buy bonds, buy a minimum of $25,000 in one issue. The reason for that is if you want to sell the bond, you get a better price at twenty five versus buying $5,000 worth. And the reason for that is when you go into the bond marketplace, some, a lot of guys don't want to waste their time buying $5,000 worth of bonds because the people who are buying a lot of bonds are usually institutions or pension funds and they want to, they want to buy 25s and then say, we'll take this 25, this 25 and they'll package it into a hundred at one shot. So buying those odd dollar amounts, less than 25, you typically don't get the same price. You tend to, tend to usually have to pay a little bit more. So that pops out there. So now, say if you buy one that, you know, you gave the example of the prices at a hundred, what if you buy one now that you can get it for a discount at 60? Well, well if that's 60, I'd wonder why. Okay. So then I'd do the homework and well, say. Well, I mean, uh, coupons like one and a half on it, okay, right now? It sounds Is like that, a, oh, maybe it's a 0% interest or a zero? No. It was, okay. There was, I was just looking through corporate bonds, and you can find some that were, they're, they were issued at one and a half percent. And of course, the interest rates are up, so the, it, the price discounts, okay? Yeah, yeah. Without Is looking there at it. Is there anything wrong seen- with buying a discounted rate? I mean,. I always, always look at it and say, why is it at a discounted rate? Okay. So that's the first question I would ask. And it seems to me that you, you have a, a, a zero bond that's going to mature at 100, but you're buying it at 60. And so your price is in the middle. So then is the company credit worthy enough to be able to hold out? That would be my first question. Yep, yeah. 
Now, Mark, one of the things I did this past week is we were looking for some corporate bonds. I wasn't finding the yields that I found. And so in here, I started looking around and finding some floating rate funds. And again, I'm not suggesting you run out and buy them, but maybe take a peek at that. Um, and some of the floating rates, the 30-day yields that we're finding were plus 7%. And with them being plus 7%, I looked at the price inside of the corporate bond rates and said, I, maybe I'll wait into the, uh, the floating rate funds here and let the interest rates finish settling themselves out before I start looking at corporates again. And so take a peek at that. Uh, uh, may or may not be for you, but that might be another place to take a look at and go. All right. We appreciate the calls Thanks, at, uh, here on uh, Making Financial Sense on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU. Merle, we are out of time for this week. Uh, how can folks get a hold of you outside of here? get a hold of, of us, here? 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street in Wausau. Give us a call locally, 715-551-0600. Um, or give us a call in the office, 715-849-3600 or kelchandassociates.com. All right. We will be back in two weeks with Merle Kelch here on AM 550, FM 99.9 WSAU.